This episode of Fuel for the Soul is powered by ASICS. Head over to ASICS.com and sign up for a one ASICS account. It's completely free, and when you sign up, you'll receive 10% off your first purchase. You'll also gain access to exclusive colorways on ASICS.com, free standard shipping, special birthday month discounts, and more. Hi, this is Thomas with Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Featherstone Nutrition. A.K.A. The Feather Machine. It's a new one. I like it. Yeah. Just like, uh, like I think that, you know, there's so much of you to go around between your, is it true, for Freaky Friday or uh, Toast Crunkle. Uh, I mean, you've got multiple personalities that we can roll to. Megan, you just have the one, one personality. Sorry. How's that personality working out for you? It's not, it's not <laughs> at its best right now. Oh, <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> All right. So once again, this this week we are normally Megan and I get to sit next to each other for these things, which is a lot easier because we can kind of play off of each other and kind of know and get those uh, little nonverbal cues that when one person is, is ready to roll and the other person's ready to shut up, but it's usually me uh, not shutting up. But this week, she's in Florida, and Feathers is in where she always is, Ohio. I don't know why she hasn't moved to Baltimore yet, but uh, how's Ohio doing? Ohio has actually been kind of cool the past week. We've been running in, like, the low 50s some mornings. Whoa. It was 60 today. I mean, it's pretty humid at 60, but, I mean, it's 60. Who cares, right? So... Um, I don't know what's happening because this is not normal weather for August, but right now I think Ohio's the place to be for running. And I did see that you um, put a questionnaire out there for where you should take your new uh, running selfie in the yeah, morning. Yeah, how are you feeling about those? Yeah, I, I, None of those locations were working for me. I think you need a cleaner <laughs> background. Like if you looked at uh, Ben Johnson's garage, he's got a nice garage set up. You just need, like, I think you need, like, a, a little bit more... You know, focus on Megan, less on our feathers and less on, you know, the scenery around you. But I mean, here's the point. Like, I don't want everyone just focusing on me. I don't have that like two point stance that Ben Johnson does and the arms in the certain position. I, I don't know if I'm that skilled. You got abs. <laughs> but also, if you noticed, the p- the place that everybody was choosing, there's so many options. I can stand on top of that rail. I can lay down the front of that other thing. People wanted to see the seasons Ooh. changing behind me. I mm. don't know. I got an no? idea. No, you, you buy a white Jaguar convertible and you pose on the hood. I and play, mean, with, I... <laughs> play white snake in the background. I'm sure this new neighborhood we moved to, there's a lot of like antique car restorer people. I could easily get <laughs> one of them parked. It wouldn't be a Jaguar, but it could be something special. <laughs> Are you sure you just didn't move to a retirement community and then just own cars? It's questionable. I'll let you guys decide that. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of old cars here. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Megan's basically where you are is a lot of retired people. She's on the yeah. Amelia Island in Florida. And uh, I got a question for you guys. This has to do with nutrition and stuff. Does the heat make us less hungry? Or do we have some sort of animalistic thing that goes back to caveman days where we're like, it's cold, we need to eat more and 
uh, fill up our fat stores? Like, what's going on? Why do we have change in appetite throughout the year? There, some people believe in that. Some people believe there's like a circadian rhythm throughout the year to our appetite. Um, but I do think too, most people just don't feel as hungry when it's hot. I don't know, Meg, do you feel less hungry down there when you're running and all that? Yeah. Um, definitely. Well, there's like a lot of factors at play here, (laughs) but yeah, um, I have not had quite the appetite, which, and I've increased my mileage. So yeah, I don't know if it's heat or what it is, but Mm -hmm. I'm definitely feeling that. And two, trying to keep up with hydration. That screws with your appetite, too. So if you're constantly sweating and then trying to drink more and get more sodium, like it kind of messes with that normal appetite regulation that you would be listening to. So it makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's a free bonus one for you all. What, what are we going to be talking about today, Meg? Okay. So we are going to um, talk through a few different listener questions today. The first one comes from Anna. She said... Hello, my name's Anna. I'm 36 years old. I'm very petite, five feet tall, 100 pounds. My husband is also a runner, but tall and twice my size. How different should our nutrition and fueling needs be? (laughs) (laughs) Harlem Globetrotter. Dude, 10 feet tall, that would be insane. I think she meant, I think she was speaking about the weight, not the height so much. Wait, how much Um, did she weigh, 100 pounds? Mm-hmm. So he's 200? Or do you think it was just like figuratively, like he's he's, a, he's twice my size, like, like you know, figuratively. Figuratively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so she says, I find myself eating half the calories of what he does, but trying to eat as much protein as I can. I'm training for a half marathon, and he is working towards his first full. What's, what's your advice for Anna, Megan? So when I read this question from Anna, I was like, oh, Anna, we need to talk. And we all need to talk about this. This is the theme for the three questions I picked out for this week is like things I keep getting questions on that I feel like we need to hammer home some different points and some different views to really be focusing on something other than I'm half his size. I should be eating half of what he's eating, right? Or I hear this all the time. I feel like I'm eating more than my significant other and that makes me uncomfortable or I'm looking at someone else's plate and I've eaten twice as much as they've eaten. It's like this comparison game in nutrition and I think how much is on our plate, what our plate looks like compared to others is something that a lot of people are kind of stuck in and comparing about and we've kind of quit listening to our own bodies about what nutrition we need and instead we're using our eyes and trying to tangibly figure out like if that person needs this much then I must need that much and this is one thing that I caution people keep your eyes on your own plate right like you're the only one we need to be worrying about from a nutrition standpoint unless your husband can't do it for himself or your children need you or something like that Uh, those things aside right like let's make sure that we're focused on what we need and listening to how we feel when we're making certain food choices instead of deciding how much we need to fuel based on how much someone else is fueling. Well, I I will say this week, uh, you know, Anna, I I feel you because I am probably figuratively twice the size of Megan. And I had normally Megan uh, does our menu for the week. So I don't have to really think that much. It's just I get home the the food and the portions on my plate. which is very nice. If you can get a Megan, I highly recommend it. But uh, this this past ten days, I've I've had to fend for myself. So I've had all sorts of weird things on my plate um, that Megan would probably be upset if she saw, like 
that, hey, how are you eating that? But uh, I'm still here. Well, and back to your point, Megan, about like focusing on your own plate and stuff. I know because I am the cook in our family and I'm, I know specifically like what Thomas is training for and from working with you, like what he needs. So like I'm conscious of that as well as my own, but I am not looking at his plate being like, oh, I need to half this because this is what he's getting. Like it's specifically for the person. Exactly. And I think that's the outlook that I want Anna to start to adopt. Not that she can just drop her thought process, right? Like it takes time to change it. But when we really look at what factors determine energy needs, she's right. Height and weight are two of the huge factors in how much nutrition we need in a day for the average person, right? So there is some reasoning behind, you know, why she feels this way. But the other thing that, you know, we have to factor into this is activity level. So, I mean, she said she was training for a half. He's training for a full. I guess in my mind, I'm like, okay, mileage might be different that they're training for, but maybe not, right? Like we see people killing it for a half and not running that much for a full. So how many miles per week we're running is something that I always gather from my clients to try to figure out what is our energy expenditure? How much nutrition do we need to be eating, right? Yeah. Yes, we start with height and weight, but then we hop into how many hours are we exercising during the week? What is our cross training? Are we lifting? What's your job? That's the other thing I always ask people. Are you sedentary all day? Or are you up and on your feet and out and about a mail carrier or a teacher, you know, totally expending crazy amounts of energy all day long? If Anna is and she's running more miles, she might need to eat as much as her husband who's twice her size, right? All of these factors play into how much nutrition we need to be eating. Um, and then we just don't want to only look at the physical features of a person. I also think it changes with experience. So like when I first started running, you know, I, I would eat like peanut butter and banana on toast before I go out for a run you know, basically fuel after a six mile run, like I had run a 20 mile run, you know, and then as I got more experience with it and got more miles under my belt and kind of understood that how much energy I was expending on different runs, I had to adjust, uh, the diet accordingly. Um, it's funny cause then I started doing like almost fasted runs before, uh, working with you. And then now, like even today I was just going out for a little five mile run and, you know, I had a graham cracker before I left just just to be on the safe side. I'm but, so proud. Yeah, it's, it's all <laughs> a learning process. But it is, I do think um, if a half is the most you've ever run, you're going to fuel, maybe almost over fuel sometimes. Um, it's just, I think that's where the fine line comes in because your body's not necessarily used to the activity. So it's actually going to feel hungrier than it, it may even need. Uh, to be replenished. But. And to your point, newer runners are expending more energy than a more experienced runner who's more efficient, right? And the other thing, to go back to our experience in Boston when they were looking at how efficient we were in certain shoes, it, like I had this aha moment. I'm like, are we expending a lot less energy running in super shoes? And then I'm like, yeah, it's probably pretty minimal plus then we're running faster so it probably cancels each other out but you get what I'm saying like there's just so many factors in energy expenditure to your point Thomas like experience of a runner is definitely one of them to add to this list and so just to sort of like finalize this for Anna rather than looking at her husband and thinking oh do I need to half this let's go ahead and look at your day how much you're running factor in your lifestyle versus comparing it to his 
100%. Like, what do we need on our plate? Where's our carbs? Where's our protein? Where's our color? Um, and really just focusing on building what we need, not comparing it to who's sitting next to us. Yeah. Okay. Our next question comes from Michael. And he said, I've been listening intently to all of the hydration podcasts this summer because I'm marathon training in the South Mississippi summer. Average temps are high 70s. Dew points are mid 70s. So he's obviously sweating a lot. He said, I've been taking the hyperhydration the night before my long run and use Gatorade Endurance for electrolytes during my long run. And I also take salt stick caps every few miles. With all this extra sodium, I notice I'm a little heavier on the scale for 24 to 72 hours post long run, assuming from fluid retention. My long run is on a Saturday and I noticed that on Monday I was peeing all morning and thought maybe it was my body finally getting rid of this excess fluid. Is this what is actually happening and is this normal and okay? I get this question all the time as well theme of the podcast today. Um, Yes, that's totally normal, 100% normal. So we've talked a lot about trying to increase sodium and increase fluid to quote unquote hyperhydrate. So what that means if you're new around here is before a big workout in the summer, before a long run, if we eat more salt and drink more fluid the night before, our body is going to hang on to that extra. So we're going to burn through that sodium and fluid first before we dip into our own stores. Because when we dip into our own stores is when our performance tanks. So we're intentionally getting our body to hold on to more salt and fluid. So if you get on the scale the next day, you should be two to three pounds heavier. You should be if you've done it right. So of course, we're going to hang on to extra fluid. But then also what Michael talks about is like for a couple days later, I'm still hanging on to extra fluid. And that's from a recovery standpoint. So when we go out for a hard run or a hard effort, our muscles are breaking down. So we're pulling water into them because water is what brings the nutrients to repair and rebuild and regrow those muscles. So we do. We hang on to a decent amount of fluid after some of these harder, longer efforts. So those two things are causing his weight to kind of hang a little higher. And he's absolutely correct. It's 100% hydration. And the other thing, too, is when we're training in the heat, he said he's in Mississippi. It's super, super hot. If we lose, let's say, 16 ounces of fluid, if we drink back 20, it's not like, oh, it evens out. Like we hang on to extra water. It's not an even equation of dehydration, rehydration. Like our body gets kind of confused and just holds on to as much fluid as it can sometimes when we get too dehydrated. So I always tell people it's really hard to find or, or to get an accurate weight when we're training hard over the summer. So not only is this normal and okay, but it's probably he's doing it right if he's hanging yeah. out to a few extra pounds. <laughs> Hundred percent. Yep. Well, I, that, that's the thing that's missing from this equation. We he didn't talk about how his performance is doing. He's only talking about weight. Mm-hmm. And so, what, what my follow up question to him would be is, how are the runs? You know, are are you hydrated on the runs? Are you feeling good? Are you recovering after the runs? Is it just a matter of weight gain and then uh, having to go to the bathroom on Monday quite a bit? You know, if if the runs still suck and you don't feel good on the run then there's something else to look at exactly well he actually wrote and i didn't i didn't read this but at the end of his question he said as a side note with all these extra electrolytes i completed a 20 mile long run without cramping of any kind which is definitely not how my summer long run started so it's working okay perfect yeah perfect so yeah (laughs) you're doing it right Megan, you know this, and Thomas, you know this. I am here in Florida, and I didn't have the right nutrition for my long run. I had one Morton for 20 miles with nine miles of marathon pace, which is just not enough for me. And 
I texted Megan and I was like, when should I take this? So I took it at the hour mark, but knowing that I wasn't going to have like the nutrition that I needed, I did do like a little mini carb load. Like just the day before I was very conscious about sipping on scratch and drinking extra or eating extra carbs. And I think that's probably the only reason that I was able to get through the 20 miles without totally bonking. Yeah, that's very smart because when you didn't have all those gels coming in to fuel you, you had a little extra glycogen to pull from. Um, but here's where I here's where I don't think Megan was so smart. <laughs> that I have run where she's running. There's a there's Circle K on that route. Like you don't have a Morton, but you could have gone gotten some gummies or you know stopped and gotten some Sour Patch Kids or any of the little candies that would have 100 calories that would help you during your run? Well, I really prefer to not stop during my workouts or long runs, so... You could have purchased it yeah, before. Yeah, I probably could have used something else, but I ended up using two bottles of Scratch and a Morton, so it worked out okay. And if it says anything, when Meg texted me this... It didn't even cross my mind to tell her to go buy something different. I know her well enough. I'm like, she needs more scratch. She'll take that one, Morton, and she's going to be fine. <laughs> like other people, I might have been like, do you have some gummies of your kids? Like, can you take some of those? Like, I, she's a creature of habit over here. I knew she was just going to bang out what she had and kill the workout and recover even harder. <laughs> All right. So, Michael, keep taking your hydration. Ignore the scale for the few days. You're doing it all correct. This episode of Fuel for the Soul is sponsored by Inside Tracker. We all use Inside Tracker to check our general health through training and to make sure we're set up for success come race day. Thomas, give everyone a little more information about Inside Tracker. All right. Inside Tracker is a personalized nutrition platform that uses blood work to create a science-backed plan to help you reach your potential for better performance and a longer, healthier life. You can learn more about the product by going to InsideTracker.com. And for a limited time, InsideTracker is offering our listeners 20% off their entire store. Just go to InsideTracker.com slash fuel. And our next question comes from Becky. She said, hey there, my name is Becky. I live in hot and humid Florida, St. Augustine to be exact. I'm right near you. <laughs> um, wanted to ask a question that I feel like may get some cringe faces from feathers. But I'm going to ask anyway, assuming I'm not the only one to wonder this. Currently training for the Detroit Marathon in October. Hometown, whoop whoop. What are your <laughs> thoughts on taking a pre-workout before my run in addition to the needed nutrition? Becky, this is why I love that we have been around for a year and a half now doing this. Because you all know that I am cringing when you're asking me about pre-workout. So, you know, the longer we do this, the, the cooler you guys all get. Um, but yes, you're absolutely correct. We've talked a ton on this podcast about the importance of caffeine for performance. That's really the, what's working the most in a pre-workout, right? So let's just have some coffee or some caffeine that's a little safer than a pre-workout because when we... What's a pre-workout? Okay, so pre-workout is something that's a little more popular with like bodybuilding and like bros in the gym. They dry scooped it for a while. They were like legit putting dry pre-workout like Kool-Aid powder on their tongue and not even putting water and then they were choking and getting too much caffeine. Like this was a big issue like a year or two ago. But, you know, runners don't dry scoop. We just do weird stuff like, you know 
poop in the woods. But um, in pre-workout, usually there's a ton of caffeine and they're unregulated just like any other supplement. So it's possible that we're getting 400 milligrams of caffeine and not even knowing it, right? So that's one concern. So yeah. Is she asking if she can blow lines before <laughs> running a race? Is that what we're talking about? I mean, about? in my mind, pre-workout's like kind of close. Like it's kind of, it's as risky, right? Like there's just a lot of unknowns with um, pre-workout similar to illegal drugs. Um, I'm kidding. It's not an illegal drug. But a lot of times there'll be like creatine or amino acids in it. Other ones will put um, beta alanine in it, which we're starting to see creep into the endurance world because it would um, dilates blood vessels a little bit so we can get more oxygen places so that our performances it also makes me feel nauseous that beta alanine yes it can cause gi issues and it can cause like tingling um just weirdness nitric nitrous oxide is added to it which is what's in beets so they put like anything that like oh my god could this help performance bam and they put it all in these pre-workouts which can be dangerous right like do we even need all of this stuff um And then the other thing is with these pre-workouts, you don't necessarily know how much you're getting of each thing. So if you really want to take some beta alanine, you really want some nitric, you know, acid, um, sorry, nitrous oxide, um, get that supplement, right? Take a beet supplement, take a regulated beta alanine supplement, take a controlled caffeine amount or supplement rather than, you know, taking one of these that could potentially have some harmful things in it, which... They do sometimes. Um, I have to admit, I have taken beta alanine before uh, workouts before, and I've gotten the weird tingly fingers things. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's never it's never uh, like bothered me, and I also don't know if there's any performance benefits. But I didn't feel like there was a performance benefit when I took it. Like I, all it did was increase the anxiety I already had. <laughs> So I felt like it was adding to my stress rather than doing anything to help me. You know what, Meg? You told me you took beta alanine on a run when I was in Baltimore with you. And sometimes when I'm on a run, I forget about things. we. T- I totally forgot that you had told me that until you just said that again. Yeah. I mean, there's some safe supplements out there. A lot. I worked with a couple of cyclists, like really competitive cyclists, and it was big in their world. And they a lot of them were taking it. Um so again, cyclists take everything. <laughs> they might. <laughs> like yeah. none of these things are necessarily bad. It's just like, do is this the right way to be taking them? Is this the safest way to be taking them? And I don't, I don't think so. I mean, when we look at, um, so a supplement that's on the in the marketplace is presumed safe until we prove it's not. They don't have to prove it's safe, right? So what ends up happening, especially with these pre-workout supplements, knowing their audience, is they often add things that are illegal, like ephedra, synephrine, DMAA, all these things that are illegal because it raises your risk of um, cardiac events, sudden death, neurological impairments, you know, things like that. So, Well, the ephedrine used to be like in an oxycut or something. Mm -hmm. Remember, there was like a big craze Mm -hmm. for... Like that for a while, everybody was taking hydroxy cut or something mm-hmm. like that with ephedra, mm-hmm. and then people started dying. Right. They're like, oh, okay, maybe we'll take the ephedra out, and then people were like, it I doesn't don't work anymore, it. right? Yeah. I've talked to a lot of people who took ephedra back in the day, and they're like, that stuff was great. I'm like, wonderful. There's a reason it's illegal. <laughs> um, so yes, moral of this story, Becky, is let's not take a pre-workout unless some of them are certified, right? So we talked around here about like NSF certification, informed choice certification. If you can find a pre-workout that like they're telling you, look, this is what's in here. This is the amount and we've tested it. It's safe. 
there's nothing else in it, then that that's a different story, right? That might be something that is of interest. But just any old pre-workout off the shelf, I would take a huge caution with. And I'm going to say if it's legal and it has NSF, it probably doesn't work. <laughs> it won't have ephedra in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, like, is there, I mean, I feel like if this, if pre-workout did enhance performance, then we would see, like, elites and people taking it. And, I mean, we don't. Because not many of them are certified and they can lose all of their prize money in place if they test positive for something. You know, they're being smart. And yet they still run better than most of us. <laughs> Shocking. What is the secret? Hashtag genetics. <laughs> yeah. Well, genetics and probably doing nutrition right, mm-hmm. and you know, yeah, the the workout. So, look, I know we all want that magic pill to go a little bit faster, that shoe that will get us an extra four percent. That stuff is, you know, I just you just got to work. You got to put in the time, and sometimes, no matter how hard we work, we're still not going to be as fast as uh, Meg or Megan. This does bring up, since we're talking about elites, um, a topic that Megan came up this week when mm. Steve Magnus tweeted, was it East Africans diet or Kenyan. specifically Kenyans? There's 76% of their diet is carbs and 20% of their diet was pure sugar. So what are they eating? Is that donuts? <laughs> no. So apparently they put a lot of um, sugar in the tea. And then on top of their oatmeal. So isn't that carbs? Mm-hmm. So wait, they're doing carbs on yes. carbs? Mm-hmm. And look how fast they are. So, so is 80% of their diet carbs then <laughs> by that? If 20% was sugar and say, you know, 60 was or 76 was well, carbs. Well, 76% is carbs and sugar is a carb. So I'm assuming that 20% is in the 76%. Oh, okay. But what I thought was fascinating is that this tweet there was so many people that were enraged with this statistic. Like, how dare you say that performance is enhanced by eating carbohydrates? <laughs> Unreal. And this just blows my mind in no new way because I never thought as a sports dietitian I was going to be begging people to eat carbs. Never in my life did I think this is the seat I was going to be sitting in and like juggling bagels and like trying to coerce people to eat bagels. And his his post on Twitter totally backed me up on everything that I feel from this way. People feel like threatened when you tell them to eat more carbohydrates. And I think it's because we have such a close identity with our nutrition and what we're choosing and who we are. And it's like, we need to separate that, right? Like we are not what we eat. I don't care what the cartoons told us in the 90s, right? Like how we're eating, what we're eating is separate from who we are as a human. And I think this just like brought to light a lot of people's, um, I don't know, perceptions about their nutrition. And they just, there's quite a ferocity out there. I find it interesting because I don't have a strong attachment to food. Like I, like I, like I, I talk with some of our friends, and when we go to a new city, they're like, "Oh, I gotta try this place. I've heard about this place," and and they're so fascinated with the food that's there. And our trip it revolves around them making it to this place to mm-hmm. eat this food or drink this beer from this brewery or do something. I'm like, I go, I try the food. I'm like, yeah, tastes. It's like food. It's like I'm not like blown away. Like I don't have a romantic fixation on, you know, in and out going to an in and out burger when I go to the West Coast. It's just not something I get worked up about. But you're right. Like people's identities get wrapped up. And I, I guess the only thing I can compare it to is like I am super sensitive about running shoes and like what I like in them. And, and I get 
down to the details of what stock liner is an issue and stuff like that and get all gearheaded up with that. So I try to be tolerant and uh, understand that there's people that like food the way that I like gear or something like that. So it's like a big deal to them. But I, I do think it's weird how they people will get defensive. Like, oh, no way that that burger's as good as the one from, you know, you know, whatever. And he's just like, really? Like, you can tell the difference between a Five Guys and a, you know, Shake Shack burger that much that it means, you know, fighting. Thomas, I'm laughing over here because I'm picturing you standing in front of a wall of shoes, making a circular motion with your arm going, these colors? No, absolutely <laughs> not. These colors? Yes. <laughs> like, I'm picturing burgers up there instead. <laughs> Wait. Okay. So yeah. So that did happen did. recently. <laughs> we were at New Balance. <laughs> yeah. They asked us about colors. I had definite opinions. I loved it. I loved it. So, it yeah, was thanks. also, it was also interesting on that same thread that everyone wanted to push some of the ultra runners who have been sort of. I guess pushing or showing that they are on these low carb diets and they're having these great performances. But then it goes back to like what you always talk about, which is yes, you can fuel low carb for, for slower work and slower paces. But if you want to perform at your best and your fastest, like it requires carbs. Mm -hmm. I think that's such a good point. And you guys know, like, I love the research behind this all, the whole fat adapted running thing, like, very intrigued by it, love to read the research for it. And there is potentially a purpose if somebody wants to try it that way, right? But you can't negate the fact that like, carbs are exactly what we need to run faster for longer. So I mean, it's science, right? Like all of this just boils down to science. I felt like garbage when I did the keto thing. That was that was like, I, it was just horrible. Yeah. Like I, I, I felt like what I was putting in my mouth was gross. I didn't feel like my performance in running really improved. So like, yeah. And, and the other thing is like, we can always find a, a outlier. So there's this one guy that's the fruitopian uh, runner that all he ate was fruit and dried fruit. Do you remember that guy? Which by the way is, is all carbs. So it makes sense. But the dude was like, he lives in New York and he used to run to like where they sell the produce at wholesale. And like he's eating 12 peaches a day with, you know, three oranges and like all he eats is fruit. And yeah, he's, he's a fine runner and you could go that route and only eat fruit. But like, oh, it, it sounds horrible. And you, you bring up a good point though, Thomas, because like how we're choosing to eat for performance should improve our performance, but it should also make us feel good during our runs, after our runs, all week. So for everybody, that's going to be different, right? So if someone truly feels better on more of a fat-adapted diet, that's fine. Go do it, right? Just like I feel better on a higher-carbohydrate diet. I, same as you, Thomas. I tried it back when I thought I wanted to get my PhD in this topic, and I was like, oh, yeah, no, I feel terrible. I got, like, we've talked about this before. I got lost. I felt dizzy. Like, it was terrible. Um, I was sad. You sweat, sweat grease. grease. Um, but you know, it's it goes back to like finding what works for you. But there's nothing wrong with someone choosing to do it a different way because that's how they feel best or us. But we tend to attack each other because that person doesn't do it the way I do it. And it just I, I can't we all just get along and we all just do what works best for us and stop pushing our agendas on it, you know. 
Well, it is weird because it is an agenda thing because you have the people, like even the people that are vegan for, you know. Ethical. Humane yeah. reasons or whatever. Yeah, ethical. And it, I, I get it, but you also do, like for everyone that's doing it quietly in their own space, you have those people that are like judging and, you know, putting their politics into your diet. So uh, like, oh, you're an animal, you're eating eating meat still it's processed if you saw how it was slaughtered all that stuff but then you know it is it's so weird that people get uh, emotionally attached to what they're putting in their mouth to feel mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think this tweet just brings that to light so incredibly strongly like that's the biggest thing it brings out to me all right so megan you're telling us about kenyans and steve magnus we love steve magnus by the way finished that book and uh you know, the whole, you know, can be summed up in if you want to show truth, strength, and toughness, be yourself. I love it. I did love your podcast with him, by the way. I thought it was really good. He is so good. And, it, you know, if you haven't checked out that podcast, you may want to. It was on the drop, uh, our other podcast. But I, I, I do, there's some people that I feel like you have your carbs feathers and you're going to die on the carb sword. <laughs> Steve Magnus, he also has, you know, he's trying to get through to people what will help you in your performance. He's doing it with the mental side and giving examples and stuff like that, and you're doing it with bagels. So, you know, I think it, it, he's authentically wanting to help people perform better, and I feel like there's there's different, like uh, there's some internet personalities or people in the space where I don't necessarily know, you know, it seems like they're just trying to get clicks and likes and stuff like that. But he's, if you listen to what Steve has to say, you'll do better. If you listen to what you have to say, feathers, you're going to do better. So, um, that's my little soapbox. Okay. Let's do a quick little recap. We could easily keep this very succinct, right? Anna needs to keep her eyes on her own plate. Michael needs to not worry about his scale fluctuations. And Becky needs to just say no to pre-workout. And the Ethiopians or Kenyans should keep eating sugar and carbs. Because they seem to be doing okay. They seem to be doing amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The keys to success are listen to Steve Magnus and Megan Featherston for nutrition advice. And you're probably 90% on your way to PRs and, and, and uh, top performances. And if you're like me, maybe you're not so worried about PRs, but maintaining some level of fitness. How about that last 10% is to listen to you guys about what shoes to wear, because that's been a game changer for me. <laughs> All right. ten. We, I'll take 10%. I've seen you wearing those SC trainers. I really like them. Me too. All right, so thanks everyone for tuning in this week. If you have a question that we have not answered, you can go over to the Anchor app or anchor.fm. Just search for Fuel for the Soul and hit that message button, or you can email us at fuelforthesoulpodcast at gmail.com. I think you nailed it. Uh, um, I guess I'll, ch- I'll check out with my peas and carrots. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
Oh, Hi, I Thomas. Go ahead, sorry. <laughs> Come on, children. <laughs> Thomas, you hit record on the board, right? Oh, shit, yeah. It says recording, yeah. I got okay. it. I got okay. it. I was waiting for Thomas to make some insane remark <laughs> about that. Like, I can't feed myself. <laughs> <laughs> Help, I'm eating toast with cream cheese and jalapenos. <laughs> I can't yeah. believe you ate that this morning, Megan. Like, what I the had hell? To. I had it's to. not what? bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Mm. She's a monster. <laughs> By the way, this micro card has limited space remaining. Oh, my God, Thomas. So it may have to go off that. What's, What's the number say next to it? Uh, 15. Oh, okay. Good. 15 minutes? We can do it. Yeah. All right, let's roll. Roll, baby, roll. <laughs> You need that. You need that. That stamp of illegal to get that extra sure push. <laughs> Otherwise, I gotta start snorting. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> she says. <laughs> All right. How are we doing over there, T? I'm at zero on the board, so I don't know what that means. It didn't shut off or anything. Yeah. It just now, it just stopped. It just died. Okay. Okay. <laughs> It's like the gas tank when it hits zero. Like I know I have seven more miles. Yeah, it got it got all the way there and then yeah. went out. Well, we did it. All right. Uh, thanks for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> Welcome to my TED talk. <laughs> yeah. It'd be weird if that other other twenty percent that we're not hearing about was EPO. <laughs> nope. <laughs> you may have to cut that part 1, out. One thousand percent. Carrots are the only vegetable I've had all week. Oh, Thomas. The, the baby cut ones. I did take some uh, athletic greens and put good. it That's, into this is a shaker a yesterday. Good time to be using athletic greens. It looks old, though, like I because we've had it for almost a year. So when I pop the lid off, it's like brown now. So it's athletic brown. But it still works. <laughs>